Well, today is January 6th, so I need to say to everybody, Happy New Year. It's been, feels like last year when we last met, right? You know, it's, it's that time. Um, so with a, a new year, there's always this little feel of freshness in the air. I don't just mean that it's freezing outside. I mean, there's this new little like hope. New year, new changes. 2012, what's been? Maybe a little pain, a little bit of hurt. It's gone. 2013 is going to be the year where it's at, right? Every year. Every year. So what traditionally happens in the new year? What do we do? Make resolutions. Wonderful resolutions. What type of resolutions do we make? Lose 20 pounds. Joel, please not lose 20 pounds. <laughs> it might cost you a leg. Uh, what else? How about less Facebook? How many people have you seen that New Year? Go on Facebook, January 1st. I must have seen a dozen people say, I'm taking a Facebook hiatus. You know, I've done it. And then three days later, it's like, I'm back. Right? <laughs> what about uh, um, working out more? Right? I was uh, talking to Facebook. Vanessa's not here this morning. I used to go to the same gym as Vanessa, and she was at the gym on New Year's Day, and she said, shocker, the gym's full. <laughs> New Year's Day, right? And a few days later, it'll just dwindle, dwindle, dwindle. How about work less? Some of us are kind of workaholics. Take a little bit of time, work less, make some priorities. Um, read more. Some books I wanted to read. Maybe take a class. Well, all these resolutions tend to be more me-centered. Make me a better person, or at least what we think would make me a better person. Last week in our high school group, which we have on a Sunday morning, um, we spoke about this. I asked the kids, what are some of your New Year's resolutions? And we went through them, you know, bit by bit by bit. Now we asked that question, if you were sat down at the table and eating some food and discussing res resolutions with friends, the stereotypical and normal type of resolutions would come up. But what if Jesus was sat at that table? What type of resolutions would he have? And then we ask this question, would your resolutions change in the presence of Jesus? Would your resolutions change in the presence of Jesus. It's funny how much stock we put in that New Year's Eve, isn't it? People get together, they eat food, have a little party, and when that night falls, it turns 12 o'clock, Happy New Year, we're moving on. And the new day comes up, and it's the new year. But the problem is, it's a new year, and sometimes it's just the same old us. I'm absolutely terrible, terrible with New Year's resolutions. Awful, actually. <laughs> That's my wife. Um, my wife's really good. She's a lot more dedicated than I am. And what happens when you break a New Year's resolution? There's often this feeling of guilt. I failed again. Well, another 12 months, I'll try again. And rather than a New Year's resolution, we enter into more of this state of like a New Year desolation, that we failed again. And we become okay with it, and then next year, we start again. The feelings of failure and guilt come upon us. 
Now, January, does anyone know where January gets its name from? I'll throw you some candy if you're in kids' church. Well done, Maria. It's Janus, the Roman god Janus. It means the guy had two faces, one looking backwards and one looking forwards. That's what January is. So as we think about heading into a new year, we think about New Year's resolutions. It's important that we face yesterday, face today, and face tomorrow. Facing yesterday, the Israelites were a people group who were always having to face yesterday. Again and again and again throughout Old Testament scripture, we see God saying, look where you were, look where you were, look where you were, look where you've come from, look where you were, look where you're going, but look where you were. Our first scripture for today is in Deuteronomy. It says this, nope. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. It's really important that we face what's been. It's really important that we face what's been to be able to make resolutions, goals, hopes, whatever you want to call it for this new year. Otherwise, if we don't, they won't last. They become absolutely unattainable because of where you currently are. It's a goal that is totally unrealistic. Our culture pushes towards this rose-colored spectacle perspective of this new year is going to be all this. That we're going to go from here to here. And we eat up that mindset that we can change just like that. Sometimes it's because of fear. Fear that I am just so done with hurt in my life. 2012 was terrible. I lost loved ones. I went through trials, lost a job, illness, sickness. I just don't want it anymore. I just don't want it anymore. And it might be the flip of that, the reverse. Maybe 2012 was such a good year for you that you have somehow deemed yourself not worthy to have another year quite as good as that when you look around you and see friends who are in pain, trouble, turmoil. Sometimes we think, I'm not worthy. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the other. Maybe you're the one who's hopeful that this year is going to be so different. So different. But it's important for us to remember what's coming follows what's been. Remember, God wastes nothing. Whatever you go through, whatever drama, whatever stuff that you've experienced, you go, I can't do this again. If we look back at it, I guarantee you this, that you will see the hands of God in your life. That he never failed you. He will never fail you. And it's important to remember that, moving forward, step by step. So last year, what can we be thankful for? Even in rough waters, what can we be thankful for? What was there to be pleased about? What was hard? What was painful? But what do we learn? What habits do we want to get out of? 
and what habits did you maybe bring on that were good that you, you, know, you want to keep? A saint in the Bible says this, if we don't learn from our past, it's like looking in the mirror and forgetting what we've seen. Can you imagine that, going to a mirror and saying, there's James. Who was that again? That's James. Who was that again? We get stuck. I, I don't want to be in front of a mirror forever. I want to go on with my life, go on with my day. It's important to remember, look, this is James. This is who I am. I'm moving forward. You're not always looking past. You don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. My grandfather used to say that to me all the time. From the working collieries in England, it wasn't a great lifestyle. He wanted better for his family. But he always said, never forget where your family come from. Because you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. And I'm a long way from home here, but my home is here now. And I hope to assume my children that they remember where they, if they go all over the world, that this is where it started for them. And they know where they've been, therefore they know where they're going. See, the Apostle Paul knew all about this. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, it says this. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So what exactly are you reaching out to? What is your goal in your life that you said, I want to get there? That brings us to facing uh, tomorrow. It's no good in the new year just looking over your shoulder. If you look over your shoulder all the time, what happens? You bump into things. If you're looking back and you're moving forward, you're going to bump in, you're going to hit things, you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. So where are you aiming? Which direction are you facing in? Inwards or outwards? There's all types of new possibilities and opportunities when it comes to New Year. Hopes and dreams are all raised up. Remembering what you have learned from the year gone and we're full of hope of what might be, hopefully be, maybe be. Whatever your goals are, remember to ask yourself, will my goals for this coming year be the same or be different if I was sat with Jesus? Long-term perspective. How can you get there? Whatever your goal is, how can you get there? For example, if you want to get healthier, how will we do that? Eat better, go to bed earlier, sleep better, work out more. By the way, never work out with De uh, Devin Cox, you'll regret it. I learned that this week. You'll be sore for a week. Um, we set, do you, do you plan to run a marathon in two months and say, That's, those guys are healthy, I'm going to be that guy. No. Well, you can, but you'll probably not make it with all due respect. To, from nothing to a marathon runner in two months, it's not really going to happen. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. 
I love that saying. I also think it's a little crazy. Who would want to eat an elephant to start with? But okay. Or as I heard it said this week, inch by inch, everything is a cinch. I love that. Inch by inch, everything is a cinch. How many of you in this room have, whether it's New Year or at some point in your Christian walk, said, I'm going to read the Bible in a year? Or I'm going to, I'm going to, do an hour a day devotions. How many of you have done that first hit? Successful. And then what happens? We don't do it and we kind of feel guilty. Oh, I failed. I didn't spend that hour in devotions this morning. I didn't get it done right. You went from here to here in the hope. But inch by inch, everything is the same. So what if you set the goal of, I'm going to spend 15 minutes, 15 minutes a day with God? in our culture say, well, you're not spiritual enough. You're not godly enough. You need to spend more time with God. But if, where you come from? Where are you going? Who are you measuring yourself against? Do you pick up others' guilt because you're not who somebody else is? With a lot of students, one of the first things I say to them is, when we're talking about spending time with God, a lot of them have no parameter, no paradox of, like, how do I even do that? So the first thing that we work on is before your feet touch the floor in the morning, can you just commit to this for a week? God, thank you for a new day. I give this day to you. That's it. And then suddenly that comes into their life. God honors it, starts to change things, and they're like, that 10 seconds just put me on a different trajectory. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? If I said to all these kids who have no understanding of what it means to walk a Christian life, you need to be doing this, this, and this, that's like drinking through a fire hose. They need to drink. It's water that's coming out. But you put a fire hose 12 inches from someone's head, it's going to knock their head off their shoulders. It's going to really hurt. They'll be drenched, but they probably won't have had their thirst quenched. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? A goal goal without uh, objectives, a plan without individual step-by-step procedures, I've learned just becomes a wish. A goal without objectives just become a wish. Now, I'm not saying don't set your sights high at all. I'm not saying don't have goals, dreams, and aspirations that are off the charts but add some more, add some steps, add some foundation, add some bricks. Build it the right way, bit by bit by bit. God will honor that. See, I think we're called to set ourselves high. We're called to set our hopes, expectations for ourselves, our families, our schools, our workplaces. Dream big, expect big. But it doesn't come without us not doing our fair share of work. Dream big, expect big, stay in bed all day. Why is it not happening to me? I don't know. Maybe you're not praying enough. Or maybe we're not willing to just go, Jesus, today I give you this day. Oh, it worked. Um, Okay, I'm going to try this prayer thing. Oh, I'm on my journey. Bit by bit by bit.
but discouragement can creep in. How many of you have ever felt discouragement in your life before? Everybody's hand should be up. <laughs> discouragement is the only thing the devil has. Discourage you, tell you you're not worthy, tell you you can't, tell you you shouldn't. Attack you with the reasons why, 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 why. If we listen to discouragement, then we sit in our beds, sit in our chairs and say, I can't. Now, last year was just too tough. Maybe that's how my life's going to be. Last year was just too painful. I can't see it getting any better. I'm What's going to change? What's going to change in my life? I've tried. I've tried to make changes, and the same stuff just keeps happening over and over again. And then we start to go, God, why? Rather than saying, God, yes, okay, let's move. Let's move. We start to say, we can't do this. God wants your heart. He wants your willingness. He wants your trust to just say, step by step, let me walk with you. Look beyond what's been. Look bigger picture. I am the God who turns the world. When you wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, thank you for a new day. The world is turning 364 miles every minute, whatever it is, some crazy 300 step like that. God does that. How crazy are we to sit there and say, my life can't change. My life can't change. I have a video that I'd like you to watch. Um, it's me, you know you get some kind of athletic clip on a morning. Um, I tried my best, but it just didn't, didn't work. Move it, move it, let's go. 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 So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. Get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right, let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left, a little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. 
That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet. Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just resting a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad at strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. burn. It's so hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. Your best. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit. No. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Brock Kelly, you don't quit. Keep going. Keep going. Go, Brock Kelly. You don't quit on me. No. You keep going. You keep going. Go, Brock. Ten more steps. Ten more. Ten more. Ten more. Keep going. Don't quit. Give me your heart. You can. You can. Five more. Five more. Come on, Brock. Come on. Don't quit. Don't quit. Come on, Brock! Two more! One more! Oh. Let's go to the 50. Let's go to the 50. I don't have any more. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. You are the most influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field in your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Okay. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach? What is it, Jeremy? I weigh 160.
I love that video. Um, apart from making me want to sit up and go hit somebody, my pulse rate's just going watching that. Um, it just has so, it's multi-level of its value, I mean. Um, what stood out for you in that video? A boy who says, I can't. Why? Because last year we couldn't. And this voice says, this year you can. You can. Put this weight on your back and move forward. He overcame a challenge and did twice what he thought he could do without that boy on his back. Blindfolded, trusting in this voice, beckoning him forward, saying, one more, one more, one more. Let's go, bit by bit by bit. When the devil says no, do we listen? Does the devil's no have more power than God's yes? Who do we listen to? In Corinthians 9, it says this. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but, the only, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. We do it for a glorious crown that will last forever. See, our goals, our resolutions this year, our hopes, our dreams, whether you want to restart them in March or January 1st, the date for you, Everything that we do should be intertwined. Everything intertwined into the Great Commission. As a believer, for those of you who believe us here, that's your orders. Non-negotiable. The Great Commission. And it reads as this in Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I can't do it. Last year was too tough. I can't do it. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. You watch, you learn, you follow, you do. It's very, very popular in the Western Christian thinking to belittle this, to minimize what this is saying. These are our orders. These are our commands. It's very easy in the Western world for us to cherry pick parts out of that and say, well, I'm a baptizer, I'm a teacher. Discipleship, it's a package deal. These are our orders. Can you be gifted in certain areas? Absolutely. This is a non-negotiable. This needs to be acted out in our lives individually our hopes and our dreams intertwine with this so it gets into our schools. It gets into our workplaces. It gets into our families. It changes our thinking. This commission given by Christ himself 
isn't saying, hey, this is for you. He's saying, you do this because of me. This is about me, not you. This is about me. In the wonderful, uh, um, wonderful technological age in which we live, I went to christiandiscipleship.com and it says this. Since you want to be a Christian disciple, you are a student of the teachings of Jesus. But in Christianity, a lot of the focus is also on following Christ's teachings, not just learning them. There is a very important distinction. A student is someone who just learns theories, while a follower is someone who learns and then does for the benefit of others. To be a disciple of Jesus, you have to learn what Jesus taught. But more importantly, you have to do what he taught. You have to do what he taught. This is how you can determine if you have really committed your life to Christ. You start taking seriously his commands and actually doing them. How many of you would love to share the gospel with somebody in your life? Maybe a family member, a colleague. Discipleship from this sense and huge element of discipleship is following, of observing, saying, I want to be like that person. And sometimes we go, well, I really would like that person to know Jesus, but I don't know how to talk to them about it. I don't, I don't know if I have the right words to say. Sometimes we even go one step further and say, man, if they just were a little bit more broken, had a little bit more of a crisis in their life, I could just kind of slip in there and play the Jesus card. And then they get saved. If only. If only. It's a great casting crown song where there's a line in it that says, who are we to pick and choose who should come? Who are we? We have our orders. It says, to all nations. Nations mean people group. Our work, our family, our schools. We have our orders. We don't get to choose who we talk to, how we live our life. Well, here I can be more Christian. Here I can just be and then we wonder why our hopes and goals and resolutions don't work. Because God wants all of us. Every bit of us. Luke 9, uh, 23 says this. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. I've said this before from the front and I'll say it again. Have any of you ever tried to pick up a full-blown cross? It's really heavy. I did it one time when I was like 17. When I was back in England, at Easter parade through the town, the churches would get together and there'd be a cross, big old hunking big wooden cross. And I attended this little Baptist church where the average age was probably pushing 70. And I'd be meaning to go to this Easter parade for a while. My sister was always much better than me. She'd go and my mom and dad were like, you should come, you should come. And I went one weekend and I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go. I'm moving out to college next year. Well, I get there, there's this big cross. And they're like, we need someone to carry it. And I'm just looking around. I'm like, James, you're young, pick it up. It's heavy, like really heavy. And I had to carry it through the streets of our town. And everybody's looking. I thought I was just gonna walk behind and kind of be like, I'm here because I'm supposed to be here. 
my mom and dad want me here, my sister wants me here, and not looking. Instead, I had to pick up this cross. It was heavy. Sunday morning, all my friends had been out Saturday night before. They're then leaving people's homes the next morning and they see me. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I have a huge cross on my back. <laughs> and it hurts. And people are like, Kitch, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm carrying a cross. And I got ridiculed on Monday, made fun of my school. And I said to myself, I am never doing that again. Ever. I said no. For what? People making fun of me? Yep. Wanting credibility, security in other people's eyes? Yep. I'm telling you something else. My cross had wheels on it at the end. <laughs> It was still really heavy. And God just said, I just want your willingness to carry a cross. And afterwards, we went and had lunch. <laughs> Are you willing? Are you willing? Now, this video, what impacts you most? The boy gets up, and he's like, strap it to my back. Yep, leadership material. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, I can't do it, but coach is calling me forward. What impacts you most? So is it this guy, or is it the coach down there? He's like, yeah, one more step, let's go, come on. Kid's blindfolded. Maybe it's the kid on the back keeping his balance. I mean, that's pretty impressive, right? Bit by bit by bit. Inch by inch, it's a cinch. When you have someone encouraging you in, in your ear, when you say, no, I can't, and this voice overrides you and says, yes, you can. You don't quit on me. You don't get to quit on me, bit by bit by bit. Now, I've watched this video a bunch of times since when it came out. It's the movie Facing the Giants. If um, you don't know what it is, go to his world, pick up a copy, uh, look past some of the bad acting. It's not on the budget, but great movie. Um, I've seen clips, these you know, motivational leadership. Yes, I can. Going to get it done. Sports just lends itself to that. It's really good. This guy, every time I watch it, I'm like, that kid has potential. He's stepping out of this shadow, saying I can't, and becoming this guy who I can. I watched this video last week, and I was completely undone. And it wasn't this guy. It was this. These were the kids at the start who were sat down, part of a group, and the guy's name was called and said, get up. These kids all laughed, said, you can't do it. The voice of discouragement, no way, man. We can't beat that team next week. You know how good they were last year? This isn't going to happen. Kid gets up and says, well, I can do it if he starts negotiating if no one's on my back. Well, I can do it if someone's on my back and go 30. No, God says, no. I'll give you the weight. You just keep going. You just keep going. 
These boys stop laughing. These boys stop making fun. And it takes one of them then to stand up and look at this guy and say, this joker on our team is in pain. He's carrying a weight. He's carrying a cross. Step by step by step, the ridiculing stops. The discouragement stops. They stand up and go, look at him. Look at him. And then they do this. Look at him. And then more and more and more start to follow. These aren't football players. These are everyday people that you come into contact with. Family, work, school, college. Lost people crying out for someone to follow. Crying out to say, lead me. Crying out to say, I actually want what you've got. Is it okay? I want to be able to carry a cross because I'm attracted to God. But the world says no. The world says push God away. Forget God. Say no to it. When you put a cross or a weight on your back, people notice. It's what you do with it that matters. People might notice and say, you're crazy. God's not real. Minimum. You can be ridiculed, persecuted. Might even cost you your job. Might even cost you some family members. But this great commission, these are our goals. These are our objectives. Losing weight. Reading an extra book. Going to the gym. Taking a class. If they fit in line with the Great Commission, yes and amen. But God's drawn it out of you to be like him, not for you just to become a better you for the sake of it. When you put the cross on your back and carry it, people will notice. When you serve the bride and the king, until you can serve no more, people will notice. When you worship with every fiber of your being, until you can worship no more, people will notice. When you give unconditionally with a giving heart, with a loving heart, because scripture says to him, until you can give no more, God will honor that. He'll take care of you, and people will notice. Everything to the best of your ability. When you take care of your body, because your body is the temple, it's God's temple. Are you doing it because I want to look good when it comes spring and I'm at the lake? Or are you doing it because God says, I have big plans for you and you can't do what you do if you're unhealthy. I made you in my image and I am not unhealthy. I made you in my image. When you take care of the widows, the orphans, the prostitutes, the sick, the needy, until you can't give anything else, your time, money, resources, people notice. It's what we're called to do. You don't get to negotiate. I don't get to negotiate. 
how much is enough. We don't get to write our own ticket. It's one of Pastor Tom's favorite sayings. We don't get to write our own ticket. We're not free. We have freedom in Christ, but we are not free. 1 Corinthians 6 says this. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought, purchased, sold to him, the king of kings, for a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. One chapter later, Paul says it again. In 1 Corinthians 7. You were bought at a price. Do not, do not become slaves of human beings. Do not become slaves to the world. Do not become victims of the world. Our God is a great God. Mighty and powerful. His grace and mercies are new every day. He desires you. He desires you because in the circles in which you operate, there's a whole bunch of those football kids sat down saying, you can't. And when they say you can't, what they're really saying is, your God can't. Your God's not big enough. Your God's not big enough. Where really what they're saying deep down is like, please show me. Please show me that there's a God. There's a God who loves me enough to leave his throne, to nail himself to a cross, to die, to purchase me with a price. Because I am worth it. I am worth it. Suddenly our hopes, our resolutions, our goals can have a bit more oomph. A bit more okay. A bit more, yeah, you know what? This is not about me. It's about the people I'm called to reach. The nations, the people groups that I operate within that I'm called to go out to. How many of you are familiar with um, Peter walking on water? The story of Peter out at the sea. Peter gets out the boat. They're all freaking out. We, there's a ghost. Peter steps out of the boat because Jesus says, Come here. Peter's like, Hold on, it's all rocky. And everybody else, disciples who've walked with Jesus, says, You can't. It's water, you'll sink. It can't be done. Peter gets out. I will come to you, teacher. Gets out the boat, takes one step, two step. And then I'm thinking he probably realized, I'm walking on water. <laughs> and he looks down, he sinks. And he says, save me, master. And Jesus says, can you imagine Jesus just going to roll on his eyes like, oh, man. I'm going to build my church on you? Yeah, good one. All right. Puts his arm out, grabs him, lifts him up. And so what does he say to him? He says, you of little faith. Now, I read that. I've known that story for years. And I read that, and I'm like, yep. You know, faith of a mustard seed. Yeah, he doubted Jesus. Mm-hmm, shame, shame, right? You don't doubt Jesus. He didn't doubt Jesus at all. He doubted himself. Jesus called him out the boat because Jesus believed in him and said, I believe in you, Peter. 
I believe you can get out the boat and walk on water. I believe you can put a cross on your back and carry it. I believe you can carry it away and keep going, 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 step by step by step until you can give me no more because I believe in you. I made you for a reason. I made you for a purpose. Everything that we do is for him. Everything. 2013, I'm not going to stand here and belittle pain. I'm going to say embrace it, learn from it, what has been. Will there be trials and tribulations in 2013? Yes, there will be. Could it be a better year than last year? Hopefully we trust in a great God. But what are your expectations? For us or for him? Are you willing to step out the boat in the knowledge that the King of Kings believes in you? And that you can defy the laws of gravity and walk on water or carry a cross on your back? Or do we just want to have more time, be a little bit healthier, earn a little bit more money? What is our thinking? Proverbs 27 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. That clip of the guy on his front, the dude on his back, if the guy wasn't shouting in his ear, how far would he have gone? No. If the guy wasn't there, he probably even got up and done it. When we look around, we have brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all called the same direction. We're all swimming the same direction. We all understand the challenges and trials that come. Encourage each other. When a brother or a sister says, man, my life's just really tough right now. Don't say, well, it'll be all right. God's in control to figure out. We come back to the core truth that it's not easy. The life we're called to is not easy. Step by step by step, it is not easy. Darren and I went to, um, I don't know, maybe five, six months ago, we went to an Acts 29 uh, leadership deal at uh, Living Stones Church. And there was a, a pastor there called Darren Patrick. He's back from Missouri. He's got, a, I guess you've got a mega church, several campuses, and he's a, a St. Louis Rams chaplain and Cardinals guy. And I follow him on Twitter, and he said something this week that has just resonated throughout my entire body. And it's really simple. He says, this is hard. Circumstance. This is hard. But that was clear. God's call. This is hard. Life is hard. But that is clear. God's call. Nowhere in scripture does it say your life will be rosy. That your life will be flush. Will he honor you and bless you and cover you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Does he have plans for you to prosper, uphold you, uplift you? Absolutely. For what purpose? To glorify you? No, for him. And for people who are watching you to say, I want to be like that. That kid became the leader on the team. The one that everybody looked to just because he was willing, step by step by step. His circumstance was hard. But his coach made the call and said, do it. Are we going to answer the call the same way, 2013? So as we finish, let me re-ask the question that we start with today. 
your hopes, your dreams, your resolutions for this new year? Are they the same? Or should they be the same as if you were sat in the presence of Jesus the King? If they're not, I encourage you, intertwine them with truth, intertwine them with scripture and the calling that's on every one of our lives to live out this great commission everywhere we go all the time without question. He will not fail you. He will provide the means. He will give you the strength to get to where you need to go. Strap that weight upon your back, not to carry it around and say, look at me, but strap that weight upon your back and carry it right to the foot of the cross and say to others, follow me. For he and he alone is worthy. He believes in you. He believes in you so much, he gave everything. He left this throne because he believes in you and loves you. Let us stand. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity this morning to just come and be present with you. Lord, we find it so amazing that you believe in us. That individually, you are calling us all to get out the boat. Lord, that our, our hopes of what 2013 can be, Lord, may they be in line with your will. Lord, let us understand where we have come from. Let us understand where we have come from individually, in our marriages, in our families, in our workplaces. Lord, may we understand where we have come from as your bride, as a church. Lord, and let us set our hopes and goals of where you want us to go. Let us remember where we have been because it's important. Where we have been, you have always been present. Through the pain, the hurt, and the suffering, and the good times, your love never fails. Your goodness never fails. And Father, forgive us of our sins for downing you in those times. So Father, as we move forward, let us be encouraged. Let us answer that call. Let us be willing. Together, to strap that weight to our back, to carry the cross, and move out into our community, out into our nation of people that is this valley. Lord, you're not asking us to do anything that you haven't already done yourself. Lord, you carry the cross and pay the ultimate price. Words cannot express how thankful for we are. So Father, as we worship, and as we close today, Renew and refresh our hearts. Fix our eyes upon you. Let our feet be willing to say yes and take one step at a time. To move forward for the advancement of your glorious kingdom. Lord, let us be encouraged that you have a plan for us. That ever we want, what we want for ourselves to become a better person, Lord, it pales into insignificance of what you want for us.
because we are your children. Our best hopes and desires for a good life for ourselves are nothing compared to what you have. Nothing. Lord, we thank you for the desires of our heart because you gave them to us. Lord, let us just be obedient and have the faith to step out of the boat and move forward. Lord, as we sing and worship you, it's a time to bring our offerings before you, Lord. We ask that you bless it and multiply it and use it all for the goodness of your kingdom. Lord, let us worship you for you and you are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So just in closing, um, it just seems so appropriate that, you know, the first Sunday in January would be a time where New Year's resolution would be the topic. And um, so I just want to give you a couple points. Number one, New Year's resolutions are worldly. And um, they're natural, not supernatural. So if we want to find resolution in the Bible, it's daily. It's pick up your cross and follow me daily. It's his mercies are new every day. And so taking it in one year bite is kind of overwhelming. Now in the video clip, which happens to be one of the most influential video clips in my life that James showed, it's influenced the way I parent, it's influenced the way um, I lead my subordinates at work, and there's a lot of aspects in that video clip, but one of the most powerful portions of that is that that kid Brock would have never ever did what he did had he not submitted to a coach. Had he not said yes to help. And I see in the life application of that testimony, one of the biggest hurdles is for us to submit to somebody who wants better for us than we want for ourselves. This morning we talked about how the terminology of I can't. The fact is you can't. You were never ever desired or designed to be a Lone Ranger and do it on your own. And so I can't is true. If you've ever been in or known anybody that's overcoming the strongholds on their lives through addiction or through challenge, one of the first things they have to come to realization with for, to realize success is that there is a need for other people who want better for you to have a voice and a hand in your life. Now you don't have to get very far in the Bible to see that that's God's plan because he creates community, doesn't he? Right out of the gate. If you have a computer, go home this afternoon, go on Bible Gateway and just search the word one another. And it'll just blow up how many times the Bible says that we need one another, bear one another's burdens, love one another, help one another, pray for one another. It's just, that's the design of a caring God. So why do these New Year's resolutions, why do these obstacles seem so tall, so wide, these mountains so big? Well, until we get to a place of saying, you know what, I can't, but I know God can, and he has people that will help me. 
I have very active athletic children and they've had good coaches and they've had bad coaches but that's just my personal opinion even the coaches that I would call bad have lent some good and done some good the things that stand in front of us that stop us from realizing that all God has for us often most likely aren't going to be overcame until we get an appetite an appetite for a guy who's in our face pounding on the ground saying you better negotiate with your mind you better negotiate with your heart and you can do it you see most of us don't have an appetite for correction we don't have an appetite for coaching the character of of who you were created to be the plan for success for you to overcome your challenges is in people that he uses you see if we have a new year's resolution or a daily resolution it should be real simple every day I want to be more alive that's it I want to be less dead I want to be more alive I want to be less dead I want to sin less you see the strongholds of sin you can't let me tell you there's not one person in this room on their own that can overpower the power of darkness on their own you can only do it when you connect with the power of light and that's him and so it's a we it's a plural so why do we need a daily resolution I find myself in Ephesians 2 this morning. It says, the reason I say your resolution should be simple, not um, get skinny, not get skinny because I'm not worthy of telling you that, but not do this, not do that. It's be more alive, be less dead, sin less. You see, sin doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. And that's what we were saved from, death to life. Paul says in Ephesians 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. He makes us alive. And so, Father, we sit here this morning. We have all, all our own ideas of what we want you to do in our lives, of what things that we should have less in our lives, and really all we want is more of you. And so, Father, would you because of your kindness, because of your faithfulness, because of your obedience and the character of who you are, would you come and center our lives in you and on you? And that each morning, our priority would be to experience you in the moreness of you. And would you make us aware of the people that may be around us or who are yet to come around us that are going to be your saints, your servants, that are going to be soldiers in your army 
that are going to help us be obedient in the daily resolution that you prescribe to each and every one of your loved ones. It's to be daily in our commitment to you and to focus on you and not to be easily distracted by the things that pull us into darkness. And so, Father, we need you each day. And we need one another because that's how you designed it. And so we bless you, Father. And thank you for blessing us. Now, if someone in here wants prayer this morning, I just ask you to lift your hand. If you think that you're at an intersection and the Lord is saying, that's right. I need other people. I need to allow someone with a properly heart-motivated coach voice in my life. Not a critic, but someone who sees the best in me and is committed to extracting it in his name. Then get prayer. We, um, I'll just tell you the truth. With Michael passing and Jenny's aunt passing away and three people in our small church already making a trip through the hospital in the first week of the year. I just said, oh no, Lord, may it not be so. I don't want to start like this. It's just like, that's kind of how the last year started. But I know he's bigger than that. And he doesn't waste any of this stuff. But it also realized, made me realize that sometimes at the end of church, we start with this call for healing. And maybe we should start at the beginning of church because um, healing is so necessary. And we begin to tolerate the lack of healing or sickness. We've got you know, Joe on oxygen, Clay on oxygen, Jimmy on an insulin dispensing unit. We have sickness all around us, and we just become to a place where we tolerate it. We tolerate it. We're not called to tolerate it. We're called to combat it in the name of Jesus. So if you need healing in any way, shape, or form, if you've just tolerated your sore back, just surrender it to Jesus. Father, we need your healing. We thank you that your healing touch is available to us. I just pray for courage and obedience to depend upon you in each of our lives, that we are not to settle or tolerate things that are separate from you. We're created to be whole. And we are created to pursue that wholeness and trust in you. So we just bless you. And we thank you. We surrender this week to you. All these people, may we be obedient in all that we do. May we be quick in the morning to say we need you. Bring resolve to our life for each and every day. And then may we be contagious to a hurting world that's all around us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Have a great week.